electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Melissa Lee, and this is Fast Money. Tonight's trader lineup, Guy Dami, Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, and Dan Nathan. Tonight on Fast, we're all over the after-hours action as we wrap up the busiest day of earnings season. Amazon, Twitter, and U.S. Steel all on the move right now on earnings. We're breaking down the quarter straight ahead. Plus, a farmer fumble, Merck getting crushed today, but one of our traders says, buy this pullback. We'll bring you that trade. And later, a technical touchdown. The Chartmaster's breaking down today's CNBC stock draft. Find out if Tim's big bets on crypto and cannabis will be the winning basket. But we start off with those tech earnings. Twitter and Amazon both on the move after hours. Full team coverage standing by to break down the numbers. Julia Borson's digging in on Twitter. We start with Deidre Bosa with more on Amazon's quarter. Deidre. Melissa, another record quarter with revenue surpassing $100 billion and no signs of a slowdown either. The company expecting sales for Q2 to fall between $110 and $116 billion. Now, nearly every segment beat expectations from AWS, its cloud business, to online sales, to subscription services. Advertising included under other revenue. That is now the fastest growing business at the company, accelerating 73% in the first quarter. Now, the only segment that did fall short was physical stores, which includes Whole Foods and where Amazon has struggled to really gain share in grocery. Bezos notes in the release that Prime Video streaming hours up 70% year over year. Remember, there are now 200 million Prime subscribers. And on that note, CFO Brian Olsavsky, he just told me that this year will be another investment year for the company. They will spend in areas like content, which he says to expect an increase year over year. We saw a big jump over the previous year as well. Now, capacity as well, he says, they're going to be spending on both middle mile and end delivery to increase one-day and same-day delivery. The call, Melissa, kicks off in less than 30 minutes. Bezos is never on it, but we should note that this is his penultimate quarter as CEO before he hands over the reins to Andy Jassy. Back to you. Excellent use of penultimate. Deidre, Deidre Bosa, we'll, we'll check back in with you a little bit later on. Guy Dami, I knew that you were thinking that excellent use of penultimate, second to last, second to final. Um, for Amazon, though, what do you make of this pop in the after-hour session? Um, because it's all about the flywheel effect around those prime subscribers. Yeah, Debo knows clearly. And listen, okay, so the, the, the stores, you know, the physical stores, slight miss. But, you know, Dan knows where I'm going with this. Operating margins were ridiculous. Operating income beat by about 40%. I thought, I thought the last quarter was equally good. Um, but this is a quarter where you're getting the price appreciation in the stock. So 35.50 was a prior all-time high back in September. We're above it now. I think you stay along the stock. I mean, we haven't wavered on that. I was pretty surprised by how poorly it traded last quarter. It's making up for it now. How poorly on a relative basis it has traded year to date um, and over the past 12 months, Dan Nathan. So is this quarter convincing to you that it deserves some degree of catch up or is this just stuck in the high valuation vortex that's not in favor right now? 
Well, it's interesting. Guy just mentioned that this is the first new high since September 2nd, mm -hmm. 2020. And when you think about what was going on there, it was just a frenzy for high growth, for value tech, for anything tech related, anything deemed to have won the pandemic. And so for some reason, investors really just wanted to take the next seven or eight months and digest this one. When I see this quarter, it's a great quarter. They're firing on all cylinders. I think that, you know, the one thing that people might say aside from the bricks and mortar retail was that slight deceleration in AWS. Yeah. But we know that they're a winner and they know that they come out keeping that share um, too. you know, to me, I guess it probably ends up a lot like Apple. Mel. you're going to get this pop in the aftermarket. I don't see it getting away from yourself. You got to remember that this is a different story than Facebook. Facebook's much easier to kind of focus on where they're doing well and how they continue to do well. And the valuation is totally different. So, um, you know, will this establish a new range above this long consolidation? Possibly. But I don't think it gets away from it tomorrow. The advertising line item is really interesting, Karen. Maybe not entirely a surprise given what we heard from Facebook um, in the extraordinary quarter it posted and what we heard also uh, from Snap on that front. But the difference for Amazon and when you spend on Amazon is that the users of Amazon are high intent users, right? That They're on there for a reason. They are looking to buy something. So when you advertise, you know that you're engaging in an audience that is already primed to buy. Is that a concern at all, um, no seeing the growth intended. there? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, is it a concern at all be because of my Google and Facebook yeah, position? Yeah. Or is it a concern for... for um, I feel like that pie is just growing, and they're taking it away from more sort of legacy uh, businesses of advertising. I mean, there was nothing wrong with the Google or Facebook numbers, and, I, and, and, and they see continued acceleration. So, I, you know, I don't love that any competition, but I still feel like the pie is growing. Just this, this quarter, I just want to um, echo everything that Dan said. I mean, this was a fantastic quarter. And what Guy said, operating margins were uh, unbelievably phenomenal. Everything was great. Mm -hmm. However, it's hard to say, you know what, this stock really deserves a re-rating. They already, you know, they get a pretty good rating already, as they should, as they deserve to. You know, they've won the pandemic. And as to them spending more money, they've shown that they're good stewards of capital. So um, uh, I'm fine with that. Um, I own some. I don't think it's. I, I don't think it's totally going to get away here either. Um, but I mean, just incredibly impressive. And I, I just crack up the you know their range of revenue, one ten to one sixteen billion. Yeah, that, yeah. It, those numbers are just so extraordinary. I mean, I guess the question here is, and for a lot of these stocks, is can it get better? Second quarter is when they're going to start encountering tougher comps. They're also going to lap. Um, in mid-April, the effect of fiscal stimulus last year. Tim, so where do you stand on this given the quarter? Well, they, they, it was important that they say the Prime Day will come in June, so mm -hmm. at least you've still got that in, in 2Q and something that I think will help the second quarter uh, you know, comp. Um, and I, I think you know, it's going to be extraordinary, by the way. And so I, I, you know, everyone has j jumped into some of the detail on the numbers. I'm just going to say 20% uh, e-commerce penetration around the world uh, Amazon's spend on infrastructure log logistics and ERP is is so far ahead of everyone else. The moat here, and 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 really, like the benefits, it's not just to consumers; it's also to merchants uh, on data leads and and you know some some of the ease of accessibility. So um, I, I just think that Amazon is not expensive here, and I, I tend to lean value. But at you know 16, 17 times EV EBITDA next year by at least a handful of folks on the street, it's not. Certainly not expensive relative to itself, relative to its history. I know you want to see more growth out of AWS, but guess what? Um, that number had to come down. Uh, the e-commerce dynamics here and the profitability inherent in that are, are 
incredible. And I, I think um, it's time for a next move higher. So it's a value stock relative to itself on an EV to EBITDA basis. Is that that we were saying, Tim? Yes. Okay. Um, let's get to Twitter here. We're watching that stock dra- drop after reporting earnings. Julia Borson's got all the details. Julia? Yeah, Melissa, Twitter share is down nearly 10% by a couple of factors. One is that its user growth of 7 million fell 1 million short of expectations. And then the other factor was revenue guidance, lighter than analysts anticipated, though the company did not change its long-term goal shared at its investor day of doubling revenue by 2023, um, but still really weighing on the stock there. I spoke to CFO Ned Siegel. He told me that the company's guidance does incorporate the impact of Apple's new operating system that will enable people to opt out of ad targeting. He said that the impact will be modest, but still measurable. Siegel also telling me that uh, a couple of points about where the quarter is trending. He said that brand advertising did get off to a slow start, but it had a strong march. And that direct response advertising, that's a newer business for Twitter. He said that was strong all quarter long with 10 times year over year increase in direct response ads from three different categories, cryptocurrency, investing, and betting companies. Uh, Now, the company is sticking with its prior expense guidance of 25% or more for the full year, with revenue, they say, will be growing faster than that. It was worth noting that growth comparisons do get more challenging later in the year as the company laps stronger growth in the second half of 2020. Ned Siegel will be coming on CNBC tomorrow morning in Squawk Box to talk about the quarter and what's ahead. Melissa? All right, Julia. Thank you, Julia Borston. Dan, what do you make of this huge stock move lower? Yeah, I'm going to make it really easy for the people out there. We have a chart. It goes back to last spring. You just draw a line from the low in March, and you just attach it to each time that it's touched that line over the last, let's say, 13 months or so. And what do you got? You have a great buying opportunity each time. There's been three moves when it's bounced off that uptrend of 80%, one of about 45%. It feels like it's headed back. I know this is not a huge stretch here. Back to the mid-50s here. And if you get it, if it overshoots to the downside, like it just overshot to the upside, that's where you buy it. What is the catalyst here? Well, expectations have been reset right now. They had an analyst meeting a few months ago laying out all these new products. I think their acquisition of Review, which is their kind of substack competitor, um, and then their Twitter Spaces, which is their Clubhouse competitor. These are going to be very interesting products. They're just being rolled out right here. They're focused on this creator um, economy and focused on how users can monetize them, which will increase engagement. So to me, I like everything they're doing there. I did not like it a month or two ago when the stock was trading near 80 bucks, but down here in the high 50s, and if you get to the mid to low 50s, I think it's a layup. Yeah. Karen, what do you think? I think I'd rather own Facebook, and I do own Facebook. I feel like it's a lot of the same bet, but at a much cheaper price and, you know, much cheaper and they've been able to, you know, they haven't stumbled like Twitter does. I, the growth rate, I guess, is higher. But the value to me in, Vitter, in uh, Facebook, it's not even close. Google as well. So social media advertising, I'd much rather be in either of those. I think that's an interesting way of, of regarding Twitter. And that is how else can you play the same exact trends but at a lower valuation? And do you get more optionality with the Facebook because of the other things that they own, like a WhatsApp and a Gram guy, which I know you're very active on? Huge. I mean, I love the Graham uh, for a number of different reasons. I think it's a great restaurant somewhere as well. Listen, I'm not on the Graham, number one. Number two, I get, you know, Karen did the self, would you rather. You didn't say a word. 
If Tim had done that, you would have fricasseed him. <laughs> I, I get that as well. Totally. I'll say this. You know, everybody's focused on daily average users. I mean, it's like stop with the – don't get – I got a Muppet newsflash for you. That number's not going up anytime soon. I'll tell you what did go up. Ad engagement was up 11% year over year. And the dance point at $59, a stock makes sense. I think this is still a unique property. It's sold off enough where I think you get back in the pool. I didn't think it was going to miss, by the way. And I think we had the icebreaker on talking options the other day in Twitter. I think you buy the weakness in TWTR. Yeah. Tim, your take on this uh, decline? Well, I just think, you know, ad, ad revenue and the focus on ad revenue, especially at Google and Facebook, has been so rosy. Uh, and even what we just heard out of, out of Amazon, I, I, you know, this is just not good enough. And, and the first quarter was not good enough. And, and that is based upon an investor day and this concept of doubling uh, revenues by 2023. And, and it's just, you know, look, they built the, the expectations. They put the bar way too high. Like these guys, this is a very healthy pullback. And as they do, they overshoot. So that was the word Dan used. I totally agree. Uh, do you have to buy it tomorrow? No. But um, you know, think about where sentiment was on a turn for this company and how exciting some of these products Product initiatives are. Did that change overnight? I, I don't think so. Um, I think the market got well ahead of itself. All right, let's get more reaction on these uh, tech earnings. Bring in Fast Money friend and Loop Ventures founder Gene Munster. Gene, nice to see you again. Um, should Twitter be down this much, almost 10% at this point? It should, Melissa. I'm in the camp that this is not a buy on this pullback. Uh, respectfully to your uh, esteemed traders, I ultimately think that this needed the greatest tail. We have the greatest ad tailwind coming for these uh, social companies, 29% growth, as Tim mentioned. It's just subpar when we think of that compared to uh, Facebook's 46, Google's 33%. Uh, what they want to do is really push forward engagement and their mechanism. I think Dan had mentioned this in uh, kind of the, the Twitter uh, spaces that that product. Unfortunately, there's already a product out there. Clubhouse is out there. They're getting a lot of traction, and I think that uh, that goal of trying to increase engagement. And I absolutely agree with guys. Uh, I think he said his Muppet news flash that users aren't going to particularly be growing in this. That is a uh, even though the miss was fractional, 0.5 percent. Compare that to Facebook, that over the last four years has grown daily and monthly active users. Just like uh, it's just the, it moves at the strength and pace of a glacier at 8% to 10% every quarter. This is very different than Twitter. And I think uh, with growth stories, you look for any sort of a slip up. And I think you have to ask some hard questions because of it. I'm, I think there's just better places to put your money. Dan was making the case that um, if you take a look back on the chart, back to what, the spring or so, a while ago, um, the stock pulls back and then you buy it. Is Gene, I'm just wondering if, if at this point in time you think this is a reset of Twitter's valuation lower. Does it deserve to be lower based on what we heard today from the earnings? It does deserve to be lower ultimately. Uh, in a growth companies, it's a very simple model that we have followed for almost 20 years, is that uh, growing growth companies, companies that deserve higher multiples, even though the multiples come down, it's still relatively high. Companies that grow need to be beating and accelerating revenue or maintaining revenue growth. And what we're seeing with Twitter is that's not the case. And so I think that uh, it is justified, uh, the pullback here. I think this is a great uh, company to trade. I would be uh, cautious about just owning this for uh, the next five years. 
I think this is one to trade. Maybe you do trade it down here lower, but ultimately we anchor in more of a three to five year approach. And there's just not enough growth here and the metrics aren't moving in the correct direction. Hey, Gene, it's Karen. Thanks for coming on. Um, I don't know if I'm jumping the gun here and want to talk about Amazon, um, but for I just sure. wondered how you get to, yeah, where you get to evaluation and, and how. So uh, I think that, you know, you think about that growth story. We did get a read uh, tonight on what Amazon believes that their kind of uh, post-pandemic growth is going to be. It's the first of those reads. I'm going to answer your evaluation question in a second here. But if you take the June guidance and you apply a typical beat to it, it implies uh, about 33% top-line growth. It's been 44 for the last two quarters. But if we go back to the quarter before the pandemic, December of 19, the business grew at 28%. In other words, is what we are seeing with Amazon is that they are indicating essentially growth slightly higher in line with what it was before the pandemic off of these very difficult comps. I think that is representative of a company that is really uh, continuing to step into this growth curve. E-commerce, as a reminder, uh, different numbers are out there, but it's kind of somewhere between 20 and 27 percent of what is bought in the U.S. That still has uh, a large way to go. I do uh, beg a question here when it comes to Amazon and all of their growth. Where is the next big step in growth going to come from? Like what is going to happen in retail over the next five years that we're going to be talking about? And I think what is happening with retail in the home is uh, kind of going back through the door. Amazon leaves it at the door. Going back through the door, I think, is a huge opportunity you're going to hear more about. Gene, uh, the market could be extraordinarily fickle, having done this for a while. It, you know, it, it humbles me every day. But last quarter, I thought, was for Amazon, was as good, maybe slightly worse than this quarter. But it was an exceptional quarter. Stock traded up to 3400 in the after hours. And a week and a half later, I think it had a 2950 or a 3000 handle on it for no apparent reason that I could ascertain. Obviously, a much different story now. What, what was I missing then that the market is seeing now? I think what you're ultimately coming down to is what is the true growth rate? I mean, you've been covering this well this entire week. It's been the A topic. What is the true growth rate? I think what we're uh, seeing here is maybe, in my view, it's uh, that the growth rate is more sustainable. We look at the five big companies that have reported this week, and there's uh, some pretty strong debate about which one of those companies are going to have sustainable growth. And so I think what maybe the market has missed, or I'm looking at from today going forward, I think Amazon is going to continue in this high 20, low uh, percent growth, even up against these massive comps. And ultimately, you know, what is the valuation, the correct valuation of that? Uh, I just think I just believe it is higher than it is today at the one point eight trillion. Gene, always good to get your analysis. Thank you. Gene Munster of Loop Ventures. All right. So you have the earnings report and that's one thing. And the stock reaction can be something entirely different. And we, we have seen very, very different reactions to very good earnings report the next earnings reports, I should say, the next day. And I'm thinking of, let's say, an Apple. Great quarter, solid quarter. Today, the action was meh, right? Facebook, great quarter, great action. Alphabet, great quarter, great price action. The list goes on and on, Guy. You can post a great quarter, but if you've got a high valuation, you tend not to do so well the next day in this environment. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. And, and we talked about Apple last night. One of the comments I made is I thought Apple, given that quarter, you know, my my assumption was it should have been significantly higher. 
And I guess the longer it didn't sort of test that, you know, 145 ish level, the more it made you believe that maybe it was one of these good news, bad price action situation. To your other point, though, Facebook, I think it becomes sort of a math problem when you see some of the numbers they're putting up. So I don't know. You know, again, we've all been doing this a long time. And, and I will tell you, it never ceases to amaze me how sometimes the market reacts the way I think it should and other times completely opposite. I will tell you that last quarter in Amazon is one of them. And clearly today in, in Apple is another. All right. Well, we, we will keep you posted on the uh, Amazon conference call, which will kick off very soon. Meantime, coming up, the picks are in. The field is set for the CNBC stock draft. So did Team Seymour Alpha score a technical touchdown or was it a Fibonacci fumble? <laughs> the chart master is here. He's ready to grade Tim's picks. But first, we've got another earnings alert for you. U.S. Steel on the move after reporting results. The conference call is underway. We'll bring you the details and a lot more when Fast Money returns. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got another earnings alert. This time, U.S. Steel shares the metal maker on the move after reporting earnings. Let's get to Bertha Coombs for a breakdown of the quarter. Bertha. Melissa, a mixed quarter for U.S. Steel, reporting $1.08 in earnings per share adjusted. That's well above the estimate for $0.91. Cents. But the top line came in shy of expectations at $3.66 billion. The street had been looking for closer to $3.7 billion. The bottom line benefiting from strong demand, the company says, and the recent acquisition of the remaining stake in Big River Steel, which they say delivered 32% EBITDA margins, adding about 300 basis points of enterprise-adjusted EBITDA margin during the quarter. 
Interestingly, though, fraught rolled steel shipments in terms of net tons were down about 7% from a year ago, even as total shipments were up nearly 12%. And one of the other things that was interesting, I noticed on the balance sheet, the cost of sales was up 18%. Even as you have these record high steel prices, mm. you know, everybody's feeling the high commodity costs. All right, Bertha, thanks. Bertha Coombs. Tim, I got to go to you on this. You've been hot on this one. Well, you have a couple dynamics here. Bertha pointed out just that the tailwinds for the steel sector are enormous and demand remains very high. I think this was slightly disappointing when you're at 12-year highs on, on hot roll, cold roll, cold roll steel, whatever you're, whatever you're buying. Um, but, but if you look at something that I don't think people are talking about that was part of this release is they've announced a dividend of a penny a share. Now, no one's going to get rich on that. That's not going to attract dividend funds. Uh, but guess what? This was a company that everyone was worried uh, about their solvency. This, to me, is a very symbolic victory. And this is a company whose balance sheet has changed dramatically in the last two years. Stock's up 200% going into this print. Expectations were high. Uh, stock needs to hold 21 bucks, 21 bucks, or I think it will hold 21 bucks. Uh, and that uptrend very much alive. I, like, in the environment where we have where commodity prices are moving higher mm -hmm. and resource trades are, are still early, this is a trade that I stay in. Does, uh, does X cast a doubt on some of the other materials stocks, Guy? I don't think so. I'm with Tim. I think there's. I think you can definitely read into that dividend without question. I think it's more than symbolic. I think that's putting their stake in the ground and saying, hey, we're back. And by the way, this was a $45 stock in March of 2018 in an environment that was maybe 60% of what it is now for steel. Uh, and you, so you can see where this stock could go. Yeah, it's disappointing. I think maybe people are looking for a little bit better on the EBIT number in terms of uh, revenue. But you know what? It's fine. I think it's fine in valuation. I think the environment still works for them. Uh, big river acquisition added to their margins. I think Tim's right. You stay with this name. All right. By the way, we got it wrong. The conference call is tomorrow morning, not this afternoon. Tomorrow morning. We got a lot more ahead here on Fast Money. Here's what's coming up next. There's a new Reddit trade on the radar. What name is the social community targeting now? Those details ahead. And forget football. It's CNBC Stock Draft Day. Our very own Tim Seymour kicking off the party with the number one pick. Will he Seymour Alpha this year? Find out as we grade his picks next. We've got that and a lot more when Fast Money returns. For more than a decade, Comcast has been committed to bridging the digital divide and connecting millions to affordable high-speed Internet. But the barriers to get connected go well beyond affordability. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to reach millions with digital skills training, resources, and opportunities needed to succeed in a digital world. Project Up, building a future of unlimited possibilities. Learn more at Comcast.com slash Project Up. Your pick this year is... Well, I'll tell you what, it, it wasn't easy. There's no Trevor Lawrence out there, Ty. Um, but it's an exciting time for our franchise. I think we're just a player away. And I'm happy to say, despite my, my cannabis bros are going to hate me, but no cannabis. I'm taking the Bitcoin talents wow. to South Beach. That's right. Number one pick, Bitcoin. The best athlete available. Uh, and yeah, may not be the company in the sector I want, but the sector I want, Tilray. And again, it's a vote for cannabis. 
Tim, by the way, Tim Seymour Alpha had the first pick in both rounds, and he went all in on crypto and cannabis in today's CNBC stock draft. Bitcoin and Tilray are in his portfolio now. He's betting on big gains between now at the close and February 11th, 2022, the last trading day before the Super Bowl. So what do we all collectively make of his picks? Dan, kick it off. Oh, oh. Um. I, I like it. I mean, listen, I think Bitcoin feels heavy here. You know, it topped out at 64.5 a couple of weeks ago. It's trading at 53. It was just at 48. It feels like it wants to go lower with the backdrop. Of, it just seems like a lot of money is coming out of Bitcoin and going into ETH and into Ethereum. So it may go lower before it goes higher. But, it, you know, I mean, I think it seems like a reasonable pick a year out. Yeah. I mean, there's there's some strategy involved in this whole thing, too, because you got to plan for a year. I mean, it's not what happens in the next couple months or next six months. It's, it's what happens until February 2022. Karen, Tilray and Bitcoin, can you get on board that portfolio? Yeah, I kind of, I mean, you referred to the strategy of it, and I totally agree. You have to think about that. What could really move a lot, right? So you, can, you, can, you could buy something that has tons of leverage. So a year ago, there were t- things with just tons of leverage. <laughs> But Bitcoin has, you know, tons of momentum one way or another. And since you're not penalized, if it goes down, you just don't win. And then, you know, Tilray, also (laughs) volatile. It's such a it's such a pick for our times. Right. Some cannabis, some Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, So I like it. I mean, if we had a third round, he he could have tossed in an AMC or GameStop for really the portfolio today. (laughs) Guy, we were, I was at least a little taken aback that Bitcoin was Tim's first pick, but I get, I get the reasoning. He didn't think it was going to be there in the second round. I mean, and he was right because if you recall, which you do, Maria Ho, who picked second, Mm -hmm. said she absolutely would have taken Bitcoin. So Tim took it off the board early. Good for him. And the Tilray, he's saying to himself, you know what? Obviously, you saw it. You can see what happened to Tilray from time to time. It's had a huge move. I think it was in February of last year. Big pullback. And here we are now. So he's playing his space in cannabis. He got it late. And he's taking a flyer on Bitcoin. I love what he did. And by the way, if there was a round three, he was throwing letter F at you. <laughs> without question. Yeah. Down here around <laughs> ten and a half bucks. So I think, I think Hashtag Smooth did a great job today. Hashtag Seymour Alpha for the stock trap. Let's bring in chart master Carter Worth to break down Tim's pick. So, Carter, did Tim score a technical touchdown with uh, Bitcoin and Tilray? <laughs> what do they say? Jury, judge, and executioner. I mean, the first thing is, as you all comment, notice he's not picking Coke, utilities, AT&T. Of course, when you got to go for it, you go for it. Um, listen, one year out, I don't think anybody knows anything. Let me just state that up front. I mean, who would have thought rates would go to where they went and bounced. Amazon, a big name we're just talking about, 1,600, now 3,600 in the past year. But why don't we try to appraise it technically? And uh, that's what I can offer, right? So let's look at Bitcoin. I've got uh, four charts. Here is the one-year Bitcoin chart and uh, the trend line, uh, which it has broken, it has breached. Now, once you breach a trend line, what reference point can you use? A moving average, a prior uh, level? Both. So look at the next chart. It is the exact same time frame. And I've highlighted the January uh, peak from which uh, Bitcoin surged yet higher. That level is 42,000, 40,000 plus minus. 
Now look at the third chart. This is the exact same chart again, but it's with the 150-day moving average, which interestingly also comes into play at the January high. So final chart for Bitcoin anyway, all of the lines put together. So we have a, a what, a 27% peak to trough decline over about 12 sessions. We've bounced a bit here, but I think it's probably not done. Now, the time frames I'm talking about have nothing to do with what Tim is talking about, obviously. Um, Tilray, so um, not for the faint of heart, exciting. Uh, three charts, take a look. The first is, is very clear, the lines draw themselves. There is a well-defined trend line. Uh, this stock, of course, going from 440 all the way to 67, then crashing 75%. But look where that sell-off... Um, oh. All right, Carter. Thank you, Ooh. Carter, Wor Carter Worth. Um, Tim, I guess... Hi. <laughs> it's, it's interesting because the technical tag doesn't help you draw a conclusion as to whether or not you're in good standing for the win, ultimately. Um, but the, the, the well, chart on Bitcoin is a little troubling, at least in the near term. Yeah, and, and, and I, I'm not worried about the near term. And I think we've seen multiple pullbacks in Bitcoin. And, and look, I would have loved to have bought it 20 thousand dollars ago. But uh, I, I think the sense for me is is we are starting to see much broader institutional adoption. It may be also moving into Ethereum. I mean, the, the, the idea around Tilray was I wanted to draft the best athlete available. Uh, so when you're stacked at a particular position, you draft you know, cannabis. And, and cannabis to me is that five-tool player. I mean, I want to own cannabis. I do own cannabis. Yeah. I run a cannabis ETF. But the point here is simply that, that Tilray, whether it's Canadian or U.S., it rallies when fundamentals in cannabis have been good. Um, it's not my favorite pick in the sector, um, yeah. but it is a way to play something. And again, a lot of volatility in there. And that's, that's why I'm there. Carter had a gremlin. Um, the gremlin is now gone. So Carter is back. Do you want to finish out your oh. charts on Tilray? <laughs> sure, sure. So, I mean, uh, gremlins, yes, they're everywhere. Uh, the sell-off is viable. I mean, that's the bottom line from my seat. Again, tactically, uh, we're down to a well-defined trend line and also to the 150-day moving average, something I rely on heavily. So 67 bucks all the way down to 15. It's bounced nicely. Here we are, 1865. Uh, I like this for a further bounce. All right. Carter, thank you. Carter Worth of Cornerstone yeah. Macro. And by the way, if you've missed any of today's stock draft, because it was a lot of fun, you can re-watch <clears throat> all of it on our website. Head on over to cnbc.com slash pro. Tim was there. Guy was there. Kramer was there. It was a big party. Coming up, bad news for Big Pharma. The sector in meltdown mode today, but one of our traders is buying one of the beaten down names. we got that trade ahead. Plus, is there a glitch in the software stock? Shares of service now sinking today. We'll break down what is moving the name lower next, much more fast into... Welcome back to Fast Money. Take a look at shares of service now plunging after reporting a drop in contracts signed in the latest quarter. The once red hot software stock seeing its biggest decline since March of last year. It's not the only name, by the way, under pressure in the space. Shares of stay at home darlings like Zscaler, DocuSign, Zoom, Datadog all dropping today. Throw in Citrix. Um, that was a, a big decliner in today's session as well. Dan, you pointed this out, the, the big moves lower in software. Yeah, it's interesting. And none of those names that you just mentioned have confirmed any of the new highs in the S&P 500 or the recent one in the NASDAQ 100. And I just find it interesting specifically about ServiceNow 
listen, this is a great company. It has nothing to do with them. I mean, the miss wasn't even that big. The problem is, yesterday, it was a $110 billion market cap company trading about 17 or 18 times sales or so. So you clip 10% off of it today because of a small miss. Investors are just saying here that for them to grow into this valuation, they have very lofty growth expectations to get to $10 billion in annual revenues. It's going to take a little longer than they think. And are they willing to pay these sorts of valuations, 100 times earnings and 17 times sales? And the answer seems to be no. So I think you just have to be careful here. On the consumer stuff, people generally don't care about valuation right now. It's about eyeballs and all the other crap that you want to come up with to justify the valuation. But it, when, when it comes to the CRM or the SaaS stuff, it can be a little different when, I, I guess, the momentum slows down a little bit. Yeah. And with these high valuations, you throw in a little bit of 10-year yield that's, uh, that was up but to 168 or so during the session, and you don't have a, have a cocktail that's working for you, Karen. Um, you're still short IGV, the ETF, mm-hmm. uh, the track software. Right. So it's, you know, a lot of these high flyer stocks also happen to be pandemic stocks. So when you take a, when you raise rates like you just cited, then the multiples come down. And then when you have a reopen trade and people flee the sort of, you know, things that work from home, like a DocuSign, not that that not that they can't still grow. They can. But those two things together and high multiple stocks like Dan talked about, it's they're just unsustainable at that price. Are there babies being thrown out with the bathwater guy in this basket, though? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Zscaler, mm. you mentioned, you look at the massive double bottom in that name in ZS. We talked about it, I think, a couple months ago. I think that's tradable. But, you know, ServiceNow, just to throw a little more fuel on this fire, and they, they also filed a mixed shelf uh, as well in this thing. That I think maybe took the market a bit off guard. It's a valuation story with, with NOW for sure. Uh, and I think that's what got people concerned. So it's not to cast aspersions, as I like to say from time to time. It's just too rich of a stock. Same question to you, Tim. Okay. Um, oh, so you want a name. So look, yeah, I, yeah. I think of some of the names that you have or have not mentioned. How about Palantir? Um, this is a name that was mm-hmm. also part of the stock draft today. Uh, and, and I think whether it's enterprise software, um, in some cases, you know, companies that look like they've dominated a particular corner of the intelligence side of it. I, I, I like that story. And, and I think the valuations haven't made sense in software for a year and a half. Um, the poster child is CRM. That's a terrible chart. Uh, Oracle has gone the other way. Oracle is a remade software company, uh, effectively, and, and that's been a chart you wanted to own. But largely, as we've all said, the high multiple software stocks have been hands off. Um, Palantir, to me, is a, a, a stock that also got caught in a Reddit kind of confusion. Um, it's a story where I think you have to see a broadening of their customer base. I think we will. And I think they're in a strategic position to do that. All right. Speaking of Reddit, the Reddit rebellion is laser focused on laser technology. Microvision going wild again today. Just ahead, why options traders see no end in sight for the wild swings. But first, the pharma name's feeling a little under the weather today. But one of our traders is buying this pullback. We'll break down that trade when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast. Another check on tonight's big tech earnings. Amazon still higher in the after-hour session. The company's conference call is now underway. That stock holding on to a 3.5% gain. Check out the move in Twitter, though. This is uh, close to after-hour session lows, now down 11.2%. That call kicks off in 15 minutes at 6 p.m. Um, Dan, pick your poison. If you were on those conference calls tonight, what would you want to know? 
Yeah, I, I think for Twitter, most importantly, on a move like this, um, you know, what is the sort of catalyst to kind of reinvigorate user growth um, and some of the, the announcement they've made over the last few months about new product offerings, that sort of thing, is that going to increase engagement? Um, so I, I'm sure they're going to get asked those questions. And, and like I said, you know, 30 minutes ago, I suspect somewhere in the mid-50s is a good do in the stock. All right, let's switch gears here. Merck having a meltdown today. The stock falling more than 4% after reporting earnings that came in below Wall Street estimates. Merck not alone. Red hours across the board in the big pharma space. Karen, uh, you took the pullback in Merck today to yes. buy more. Why? Yes. Well, my whole big cap pharma was just making me a little sick, to just a little throw up in my mouth, just looking at that price reaction. So they missed Merck, 20 cents, right? Um, and they missed on revenue. However, they reaffirmed guidance. But that 20 cent miss, we talk about high flyers getting really hurt. This is a low flyer at 11 times. So the market threw a, a um, I guess it was a 20 something multiple on that miss, even though the stock trades at 11 times. That seemed excessive to me. We had almost the exact same story in Bristol Myers, a much slighter miss, seven cents. The market put a 50 multiple on that miss, even though they too reaffirmed. And both of these and, and others, big cap farmers as well, I think of as reopened trades, right? Yes. I don't think of these as sales denied. I think of them as sales delayed. So on a day when we talk about stocks with multiple contraction, I'm really surprised there's multiple contraction of that level here when these are such low multiple stocks. So normally on a miss, I wait three days, let it shake out, but the magnitude of the reaction to this miss, also when they reaffirmed, just seemed excessive to me. So I bought some work, I bought some Bristol, I actually bought some Lily as well. And I mean, at this valuation, 10 times, mm -hmm. You know, I'm comfortable owning it, plus ten, a dividend, but that's not why. Ten times for what could be among the, the, the biggest, the most ultimate reopening trades. If you think about um, what Merck makes, two-thirds of what it makes, whether it be treatments or vaccines, must be doctor-administered. You have to go to the doctor's office. And so when things reopen, what are you going to do, Guy? You're going to go to the doctor's office, you get the treatment that you've been putting off, right? And that multiple doesn't seem to reflect that. <laughs> I don't know why I picked you for that. Yeah, well, you've, <laughs> but I, I, I was going to say, you know are. me for a long time. I mean, that's, that's not, you know, that's not typically something I'm, uh, you know, I used to have to say there needed to be a bone sticking out of a limb in order for me to go to the doctor. <laughs> but I'm, I'm a bit of a Neanderthal, as you know, so I'm probably the wrong person to ask. What I will say, though, is Merck traded about three times normal volume today. 72 and a half, 73 is past support. And on evaluation, it is stupid cheap. I just think the market took the headline miss both in revenue and EPS for the quarter and just punished the stock because that's the environment that we find ourselves in. Same with Bristol-Myers. By the way, Eli Lilly actually up on the day, which makes sense. But I think Merck on this miss, given the volume that it traded, is absolutely worth the look. Tim, quick on pharma. Look, I, I, I agree with everybody here. The great irony is that these are not COVID plays at all. Some people actually thought that they might be, um, in Mark's case, uh, every analyst on the street after I circled back over this um, had reaffirmed their numbers just the same way that the company reaffirmed their numbers. So, yes, I think this is weakness to buy. I continue to like J&J &J in the space, but I am long Merck uh, and don't love this outcome. And I didn't buy more today. All right, coming up, this stock getting more than twice as many mentions as GameStop today on Wall Street Bets. We'll reveal the name in the trade, but first a message from Morning Joe co-host and NBC Know Your Value creator Mika Brzezinski as CNBC celebrates Financial Literacy Month.
Financial education is fundamental. You have to be able to do the math, whether it's a huge negotiation or a huge contract or a huge business you're running or a small business you're running. You've got to be able to do the math immediately, in your head even. So financial education is fundamental to success and it should start at a very young age for both boys and girls. Welcome back. Here's a sneak peek at the Kramer cam. Jim is digging in on Caterpillar with its CEO. Catch a full interview top of the hour on Mad Money. Meanwhile, we are tracking more activity in the Reddit trade. Microvision plummeting on a huge volume spike. The laser technology stock getting more than twice as many mentions as GameStop today on Reddit's Wall Street Bets board. That is according to ThinkNum data. Let's bring in Mike Coe, who's been doing his digging himself. Mike, um, what did you see? Quite a lot to see, actually, in microvision options. So this thing normally trades about 100,000 contracts a day, quite a lot for a relatively small company. Traded significantly more than that and calls out pace puts by about two to one. Right now, the options market is expecting some pretty big move over the coming months. So by May expiration right now, they're applying a move of nearly 40 percent. By June expiration, about 50 percent. By July expiration, The options market is implying this thing could move 62% or more, higher or lower. The most active options were the May 20 calls, and it looks like a lot of folks were selling those. Open interest had built considerably over the last couple of weeks, and it started to drop off today. I think some people were taking the last couple days of weakness as an opportunity maybe to pair some of those bullish bets. But that doesn't mean everybody thinks it's over, because the second most active options were the 35 strike calls that expire in May. So some people are holding out hope, believe it or not that this stock could double over the course of the next three weeks or so. This has been, Mike, I imagine, a very actively traded um, option for quite some time now because it's, it's been on Reddit. It's been on Wall Street Bets for, for a while. Yeah, it has, actually. So it's been averaging about 100,000 contracts a day over the last 20 trading days wow. or so. So over the course of the last month, that's 10 million shares equivalent when you multiply that by the share price of about 18 bucks today, that's quite a lot for a company that had a market cap of about $60 million only a couple of years ago. Yeah, a LiDAR company. So this is in that sort of EV, autonomous, driving, magical sector, Dan, that everybody on Reddit seems to love. Well, Mel, it's the future, right? So the future can trade with a $2.8 billion market cap and $4 million in sales. And you can trade options on that future, which actually are just, it's just pure like pixie dust. It's fairy. I mean, that's what's going on here. So we're talking about Reddit again. We're talking about Wall Street bets. It's all a bunch of nonsense. They've got one stock right. They got one right. And that was GameStop. And I don't mean to rail against it. I'm just telling you when this all shakes out, it's just going to be so nasty. All right, well, we'll be tracking it, that's for sure. Mike, thanks, Mike Co. For more options action, be sure to tune into the full show tomorrow, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Up next, Final Trades. Time for the Final Trade. Let's go around the horn. Tim. Beating up Ford means beating up GM. I don't think that's fair, and I think a lot's now been priced in into their earnings next May 5th. GM. Salty Dan. Uh, beating up Ford, I liked it the other night as my final trade. I like it here down 10% still, so I think you, you might have a little more room to the downside in the next couple of days, but then to buy it. The unpicked stock in the stock drop. Karen. 
Yeah, I've beaten up GM. That was my trade yesterday. I liked it. Bought some today. But that's not my final trade. My final trade is another beaten up stock, Bristol Myers. I thought that was just an excessive beating given what wasn't bad performance. So, Bristol Myers. Guy Adami. Don't tell UPS, but FDX going higher. You're betraying your former employer. Thanks for watching Fast Mad Money. Starts right now. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.